Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host, and today we are so very fortunate to have Mark Schumacher and Allison Nance here with us today. We are actually talking about Victory Junction, and Mark is going to talk to us about the Camp Victory Junction, and everybody is in for a major treat. I am so excited to hear about this camp. Allison actually was there for an event, and you mm-hmm. can tell us about I that, do. Allison. And she came back like all pumped up, like, "Hey, oh my gosh, we got to get this guy on the phone and talk about this camp. It's awesome!" <laughs> and so here we are. That's what <laughs> happened. So why don't Allison, you introduce yourself? You've been on the podcast with me many different times before, but for those people who haven't heard the podcast with you on it, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do here at PDT? Sure, I'm Allison Nance. I'm the project manager here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy. I do a lot of different things here, everything from recruiting to some management of admin functions and working with the toy vendors to purchase and put out all of our toys that we use in treatment. And I also work with Jaren to create podcasts and scheduling for lunch and learns and all of our support for our therapists. So a lot of different hats, but that's it. (laughs) And that's like only a brief number of the hats, but we'd be here all day. So, all right. So Mark, you're up. So Mark, will you tell everybody a little bit about what your role is at Victory Junction and a little bit about yourself? I'd be happy to. I'm the chief development officer, which means that I'm the one who's in charge of keeping the lights on and making sure that everything moves smoothly here. But also I'm over branding and marketing, et cetera, because, you know, we have, as, as you mentioned, I mean, Allison, uh, you know, when you come here, you don't just sip the Kool-Aid, you end up just chugging it. And, chugging um, it. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just, you know, we just get the word out about what we do. And this is a place that just really sells itself. But the reason I'm here, it's kind of interesting and it dovetails with the story of Victory Junction, if I can yeah. be so bold, you know, back in the mid nineties, Kyle Petty, who was a you know, part of the Petty legacy, his dad, Richard's the king of NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he and his son, Adam, were traveling through central Florida and they were on a motorcycle ride and they stopped at a place called Boggy Creek Camp. And that was the second camp that was built by Paul Newman, part of what used to be called the Hole in the Wall Gang camps. Mm-hmm. And it was a camp for kids with, you know, serious medical conditions and chronic illnesses. And it was that visit that really inspired Adam at the ripe old age of 18 to say, <laughs> gosh, we need a place like this back home, back in the rolling hills of North Carolina. And that's where this all started. Well, interestingly enough, that visit while they were there, my son was one of the campers there. My son's a cancer survivor. He was a little boy there at the time. We just passed, by the way, a week and a half ago, the 20 years post-diagnosis. He's now mm-hmm. 25 and healthy, which is a oh, blessing. But so awesome. um, interestingly enough, when the whole possibility of coming to Victory Junction happened, it made perfect sense for me to come here because they came back from that visit. Adam was the was the next up-and-coming petty. He was a successful race car driver at that time at his young age, and he started looking at plans. He started looking at property for where it could go, and he started putting winnings aside for this concept. And then tragically, at the age of 19, he died in a practice accident in Loudoun, New Hampshire. And it was at that moment back in 2000 that his family, NASCAR, their fans, their friends, this swelling of incredible emotion and passion for what he wanted galvanized everybody. And this place came up out of the 
North Carolina red clay. And in 2004, we opened for business here as a camp for children that have serious medical conditions and chronic illnesses. And we take children that no other camp in this country does. Um, Adam was all about visiting the sickest kids when he would stop at pediatric hospitals at every racetrack. He would always go in and always want to see the sickest kids. And it's one of those things where we are absolutely unable to say the word no. If we hear of a child's situation, the first answer is yes. And then we put together the medical program and just put it together so that it's safe and the child can come and enjoy. So that's really how Victory Junction started and our inspiration for this place. Wow, that's an awesome story. What a God moment for that whole thing to to take place and, you know, for everybody to be in the same place at that time. And it's a great story. Man, talking about an 18-year-old kid that had their act together and understood right priorities and Mm -hmm. the bigger picture. At 18 years of age, I was lucky to get out of the house with a shower. I mean, my (laughs) gosh. You know, wow. You know, they talk about old souls and um, people describe Adam as having been an old soul. You know, my biggest regret is just not having had the opportunity to meet this young man because we all feel like we know him Mm -hmm. and it's his idea that sparked this thing and it's his legacy that we really every day work to meet that legacy. And that's, boy, like you said, for an 18 year old, (laughs) really? (laughs) I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, he was way ahead of his time. So is Victory Junction a faith-based camp? It is a secular camp by its nature, but I will tell you two things, and I'm going to step out of my professional realm into my personal realm here, because in what Allison just mentioned, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't think that we don't do God's work here for what we do for these children and their families. And we do on Sundays here offer the option that if they want to go to a small worship service, they can. But, you know, this is a camp that's open to all and not specifically just to children who have a faith background. But again, the work we do, I think it's pretty hard to take that out of a faith realm. If you don't have faith when you start, you will when it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we say here, Mark, too, that taking away all accomplishments that maybe any of us have done, you know, to live with a disability or live with a serious illness is significantly harder than anything I've ever had to deal with. And so to me, I mean, we're a faith-based organization, and so I see God moments all the time and what I do every day. And, you know, I can't separate the two. And I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how do you not see God in everything you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> His fingerprints are all over oh, it. That's, uh, right. that's my point of view. So, yes. And so then how did you connect with Victory Junction? How did that happen? Well, you know, it's funny because nobody knew that backstory. The story that I told you, we didn't connect those dots until I got here. It was just one of those things that I was a journalist for 25 years. And when I changed careers back in 07, with my son's experience, it just made sense to go into the area of development, fundraising, and supporting children's health issues. And my best friend on the planet happens to be working for the company that sponsors Richard Petty Motorsports, and that is Smithfield Foods. And he said, gosh, I've this camp, I, I went to this camp called Victory Junction. It's unreal. And I thought of Casey, because by the way, Bob happens to be my son's godfather. So the, even more of a connection here. And then when there was a need for someone to come in and take over the development side of it, He just said to the folks here, he said, I know somebody (laughs) and his nest is empty and he and his wife just might be talked out of moving out of Florida and moving to Greensboro, North Carolina. And it just fell into place. And again, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't think you all do either. And the path led us here. I did not know that past story about Adam going to the camp and your son's involvement there. So it really is amazing how everything came together to bring you to Victory Junction, for sure. Before we get into, because I've got lots of questions about the kids that come to Victory Junction and the staff and that kind of thing. But why don't you kind of tell us like about the camps and what kids do at 
the camps and sort of how they're set up before we get into the kids and stuff. How about that? Oh, sure. And, you know, the interesting thing is that I think that we are sometimes at a disadvantage by calling Victory Junction a camp. Uh Um, For those that have not been here or not been to our website or seen pictures or videos, it is a theme park. That's what it is. is. (laughs) I mean, we do have some of that campy stuff. You know, we have a beautiful lake. We've got boating and fishing. We've got an incredible horse barn and riding arena so that all the kids can ride and really that horse therapy type of thing. We've got also other animals they can interact with. And we've got archery. So we've got sort of that camp stuff. Mm -hmm. But when was the last time you heard of a camp for children, let alone any children that have medical conditions, that has the coolest bowling alley you've ever seen in your life. Absolutely an incredible facility. We have a theater. We have my favorite building personally Uh called the Superdome. The Superdome is just that. It's a big, beautiful dome that has an indoor, listen to this everybody, because this is going to make you want to be a kid again. (laughs) Yeah. It's got a huge kickball field inside of there. You can also play wiffle ball with a big scoreboard on the wall Mm. with bleachers in it. It's our own little indoor stadium, basically. I was going to ask about the Superdome because that's intriguing because I want to know what the Superdome was and also the hot air balloon. But go ahead on with the Superdome. Yes. (laughs) Well, the thing thing I would say about the Superdome, though, that's really interesting, and I didn't really put this together until I got here and saw it in action. Yeah. When we have our family weekends in the spring and in the fall where we serve not only the child but their siblings and their parents. For those parents, their child out there on the indoor carpeting of the Superdome, playing kickball, whatever it might be, it's the first chance that those parents have had to cheer that child on in a sporting event. And that's such a part of our fiber as parents, you know, being on a side of a soccer field or, you know, just going out and watching our children. And to be able to provide something that seems so basic, but yet so meaningful you know, that is just something that's really cool about that particular facility. And I haven't even mentioned, by the way, we have two zip lines. Yeah. We have a 55-foot high adventure tower mm-hmm. that children can either scale on their own mm-hmm. with adaptive equipment. Every child, no matter their disability, their disease or illness, can do anything at camp. It's completely accessible, and we just make sure that they have nothing but firsts and wins when they're here. And Mark, I remember you telling a story when we were there about a specific child that you were able to get on that zip line and what a phenomenal experience that was. Can you? <laughs> You're going to make me tell that story? Yeah, I'm going to make you um, tell it and I'm going to try not to cry. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good on this end. <laughs> it's a great story. We had this past summer seven counselors, our summer staff that we hire, who were former campers. And one of them in particular is just this mountain of a young man named Stephen. And Stephen's just a real great kid. And for the last two summers in a row, he has been caring for, during cerebral palsy week, a specific child two years in a row. And this child is nonverbal. This child has some very serious issues to deal with and is in a giant wheelchair and doesn't really respond to anything going on around him. But Stephen treats him like any child, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Mm. So this past summer, Stephen's wheeling this young man <laughs> into our, what's called the fuel stop, which is our big cafeteria building. And he says, hey, Mark, and he points to this young man. And he goes, hey, he's ziplined today. And I had this moment where I was like, you know, we do some amazingly crazy things here. We take that child that you would look at on the street and you'd think, Oh, this young man, there's things he can't do. Well, we don't believe that here. We know they can do. So (laughs) you put a harness on him, safety equipment, a helmet. They put him on the zip line and he zip lined. And the incredible part was I find out a few weeks later as I'm reiterating the story that one of our counselors who was there, she goes, well, you don't know the whole story. 
when they hooked this young boy up and he went off that platform zipping down there, he let out a howl. And they were like, oh, my gosh, we actually heard him say something. And when they got to the bottom, when he went back and forth and got to the bottom, they were lowering him into his wheelchair. He had a grin from ear to ear. Uh, so here's this nonverbal child wow. that had that kind of an experience. Man. And I'm like, you know, like I said, anybody looking at that child would think, oh, it's all about what they can't do, can't do, can't do. Yep. Here, it's all about what they can do. And we make sure they can. Oh, my gosh, Mark, I love it. Of course, the speech therapist in me is like, woohoo, I love it. <laughs> so, um, but then therapist and the mom, because my child also has special needs, the mom in me is also how just, and I hate the word normal because who's normal and what's normal? I mean, whatever. But how just like little kid is that? You know, I mean, how just regular little kid is that? And I think so many of the little people we work with and the kids and the guys that come to your camp theme park, excuse me, because it really does sound like a theme park. Um, you know, how just regular, just kid fun, quote unquote, normal is that? And isn't that really what we're all trying to get to? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're all about. You know, I like to tell people that I know with you all, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, these children all come from a clinical environment, no right. matter what their illness is, whatever their disease is. And when you come here, it is absolutely the antithesis of that. We make sure that everything is non-clinical, even our hospital here. If they have to have any kind of treatments, it is just like the cabins they stay in. Happy, decorated, themed, all that kind of good stuff, because that's what it should be about. This is where they leave those limitations and boundaries at the front gate. Wow. And they come in and here, and this is where they can just be a kid. And you, know, you mentioned it earlier about the fact, is it faith-based? Mm-hmm. You know, I would just tell you this. We do all share a belief here. And that belief is, is that every child, no matter their illness, disease, or disability, deserves the chance to just be a kid. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's what they all deserve, just the chance to be a kid. What you just described is what we call our why. Like, why are we a therapist? Why do we get up and do what we do every day? It's certainly not to do documentation and write a daily note, because, you know, that's part of our job here. But it's because we just want to provide whatever opportunity we can to help these kids achieve whatever they want in their life. And it sounds like, you know, at Victory Junction, you're just giving the kids an opportunity to just be regular kids and do fun stuff and have fun and figure out, hey, you know, I can do that. And yay, wow, that's awesome. You know, and look at me and just just do regular fun kid things and just you know, be a kid. You know, it's interesting. And this fits right into what you all do. Every year at the end of the summer sessions, there is a Yale Child Center study that's done that involves our camp and our sister camps around the country. There's nine that do somewhat similar things. Mm -hmm. And we find that children that go through these experiences do better in their medical treatment. They do better in school. They're Mm -hmm. better at socialization, self-esteem, confidence, all these things from this one week. We know that these are things that stay with them the rest of their life. And so it's not just a one shot deal either. You know, once you show a child the possibilities, they just take it and run with it. Well, and, you know, I want to jump back to the story for just a second, because one of the things that you said I just really wanted you to expand upon is that the young man that came back as a counselor. So that, to me, is training up these people to continue to give back to others. So can you talk a little bit about some of these kids that do go through the camp and their commitment to stay with it and come back? Absolutely. We're going to probably have even more than seven come back this year. But it's interesting that you bring it up because I had a chance to get some really great time with each of them last summer to really delve inside of that. And, you know, they just feel, and one of them said to me, I just thought it was a wonderful line. She said, this love that I felt at Victory Junction, that when I'm here, that I feel, 
She goes, you can't help but want to share that love with others. And if I can come back and share that with these young kids, I'm now giving back what I got. So they're kind of completing that circle, which I think is just a beautiful thing. But, you know, the other part about it, too, is, is that they can actually look at these kids and say, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And then these counselors who were campers become role models in a huge way. It's a beautiful thing to see. And the level of care they give is amazing. And let me say this, all of the summer staff we bring in, all these wonderful young college and graduate students who come in and spend the summer here deliver phenomenal care. Those kids that have been campers, though, they just have that little bit extra because they've been to the barbecue. Mm-hmm. They walk the walk. Yeah. yeah. So talk to us a little bit. You mentioned the staff and the college students. Can you talk to us about, you know, how do you staff Victory Junction? Who's qualified? And I know for sure, because we've talked about this, that there has to be certain medical staff members there, too, and volunteer opportunities as well. Well, we have a full-time you know, medical staff here year-round. They have to for the processing of applications, putting the program together, et cetera. But we augment that big time during the summer. We have 45 full-time employees at Victory Junction. We go ballooning out to over 200 when camp season comes. And that includes a lot of medical professionals who come in and volunteer a week, two weeks, three weeks. Many times they are a specialist in the area that is the focus of that week of camp. So you might have some nurses who have dealt with kids with diabetes when we have that week, that sort of a thing. Hmm. But as far as the summer staff, those that we hire for the summer, these are generally, if I was going to paint you the picture, they're generally, I would say, a college senior or a graduate student in anything from child development, social work, child life, nursing, whatever it might be. And they spend not just the nine summer weeks here, but they come in two and a half weeks beforehand to train in all of the things that we need them to know as far as the workings of Victory Junction. But they obviously, first and foremost, all go through a very rigorous background check, but they're all trained in CPR, and a number of them have basic life support background as well. And interestingly enough, our water park, we have at all times, there's no child that goes in without having someone with them. But even with that said, we have it set up to where five of our summer staff wear different hats, and there are five of them that are certified lifeguards. And so we have five lifeguards stationed around the pool, even though every child is accompanied into the pool area. But for lack of a better term, that's really the picture of what a typical summer staff are here. We call them counselors. They would be, and then we augment their work and the medical team and everything else with a ton of volunteers that come in as well. And so how do they apply? How do your college seniors and graduate students apply? I'm just, as you're talking about it, I'm like, what a phenomenal experience mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. somebody at that age. I mean, oh my gosh, life-changing experience. But how do you find them or how do they apply? Big part of it is is recruiting. Um, our program staff you know, reaches out to colleges and our kids come from all over the country. Okay. They're almost as diverse as the kids who are here. You know, We have campers come from all 50 states. One of our summer staff last year, she said to me, and she's from California, which that's where I'm from originally. And I said, wow, you know, how'd you end up here? And I said, there's a bunch of camps in between there and here. And she goes, I flew over all of them because I want to experience the level of acuity the kids have here. Mm. And I'm looking for that training. So we do that. There's also a lot of word of mouth as well Mm. and some social media, et cetera. It's just really getting the word out. And I'll tell you, we get a great response because to your point, they see what we're about and they're like, man, this is just an experience that would be so 
important to, you know, my professional and personal growth. And so it really sells itself to those people that want to take part. Well, I'm sure. And then I would also imagine that for those college seniors that apply and get the job and all that, you know, if you're wanting to go into a profession like you're applying to graduate school in some medical type of profession or whatever, I mean, to me, this experience would set you apart from other candidates. In addition to just being a life-changing experience, I would think also it would help boost your resume if that was one of your goals. Yeah. No doubt. And I think it's funny, a couple of the, I call them kids because they're my kids' age, but a couple of them last year, they're middle school teachers. Ah. I mean, what a great, you know, way to spend your summer doing something that really says a lot about their desire to better relate to all children. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. Hey, talk about, if you will, I'm kind of going off a little bit, but one of the things you just said is about the definitions of the camps, like each week has a different diagnosis, if you will, or Mm -hmm. plan for those kids. So talk to us about some of those so that our listeners can understand, you know, the type of areas that you're looking at. Oh, sure. I mean, as an example, this coming summer, there are at least 20 different disease disorder groups that we're going to serve. And some of those underneath their umbrella, there's a ton more. An example, you know, two of our weeks that are dedicated to one specific disease, we do have a diabetes week. Mm. Um, Yes, there's a lot of diabetes camps around the country, but this is just such a special place that we have no problem filling up that particular week. We have a cerebral palsy week Now, our maximum here, we have 16 cabins with eight campers per cabin. Wow. So that's a maximum each week of 128. Now, for diabetes, we'll have 128 kids here. Hmm. For cerebral palsy, we will max out probably 75 to 80 because some of those children are going to need two-to-one care because the way we have it set up is in those cabins, eight kids, eight counselors who live and stay there. Hmm. So we always have a one-to-one, but in some of the areas, it's a two-to-one. So at any rate, it's all about the care and what's the safe numbers and things of that sort. So that really kind of varies back and forth. But again, all those areas I mentioned to you as far as roughly about 20 different broad stroke areas, we'll have children with anything that they might come here, they might need kidney dialysis while they're here, we'll do that. Obviously, we might have a child who's on chemo, we will handle that here. Mm. It's all just again, set up so that we're providing that safe environment where parents feel comfortable dropping the kids off, Mm-hmm. And that they know that they're going to get them back the, the way they left them. <laughs> so that leads me into another thought as you're talking and stuff, because I'm over here just guzzling the Kool-Aid. I'm like all about it. <laughs> I'm all like, sign me up. What am I doing this summer? I Hold on, cancel. I can make it happen. So two questions I have. Number one, like volunteers. So I know you have your regular staff and I get that, but do you have opportunities for volunteers? And if so, what is your criteria and that kind of thing? We have opportunities for volunteers year round. Okay. The best way for anybody listening to get all those details is just go to victoryjunction.org mm-hmm. and you can follow very easily there to get to whether it's summer staff opportunities or volunteer opportunities. Again, you know, a big part of it is going to be from our standpoint to be able to feel comfortable. You know, the background check, we're going to go over your resume and you're going to get interviewed phone first. And if you're living in the area, we're going to bring you in as well. But at the end of the day, if somebody has a heart for it, we're going to find a place for them. And we absolutely depend so much on volunteers to help deliver what it is we do in so many aspects of it. So there's a ton. And when I say year round, I mean it because we have things going on all the time, not only our summer, but our spring and fall family weekends. And there's other events in between there. So if somebody wants to get involved, it's going to be hard for them not to. We're going to make sure that they find a place they can fit in. 
And then are you looking for certain volunteers? Like you said earlier, you kind of talked about that, like nurses for the weeks that are diabetes week, that kind of thing. Are you looking for certain types of volunteers for certain weeks? We always are from the standpoint of those medical professionals. Absolutely. However, it's not necessary that you even have to be a pediatric nurse in order to be someone that comes in here and volunteers, just as long as you have you know, that degree, those letters after your name, and that you can do well under the direction of people that are leading the effort here, it's not a problem. We have people that come in with all sorts of different specialties. Again, it's just a question, I think, first and foremost, of your desire. And if it is you want to come in and you want to make a difference in a child's life, and particularly the children we serve, there are all sorts of opportunities. But, you know, the simple answer is to that question is that, of course, If there's someone that has a specialty in one of these areas and we can marry them up to that week and they've got that expertise, I mean, that's awesome. But our medical team has the depth to be able to adapt to any and all of those disease groups and disabilities and illnesses that I mentioned a few moments ago. For your kids that are, I say the kids, like the college students and graduate students, because the older I get, they're starting to feel more like kids. But anyway, (laughs) for people in that age group, what's your interview process for them or what's your selection process for them? Do they come in and interview with you? Do you do it by the phone or how does that work? Right. I mean, well, first and foremost, let me just tell you that here to be a a summer staff here, you have to be a minimum of 19 years of age. And the kids we serve are from six to 16. Right. So you have to be 19. That's, you know, the baseline there. But really and truly, there's people that can have the best resume in the world, and it might not necessarily tell the whole story. Everyone that applies and we look at their resume and we feel like they've got some of the basics there, and that's great. It's really all about the interviews and our great job of doing group interviews and individual interviews to get a real good idea about where that person's heart is and what they're all about and whether or not they would really mesh well here from the standpoint of being able to deliver the Victory Junction experience. And really and truly, it's about that simple. I mean, certainly, you know, we have certain requirements we would love to see, but at the end of the day, they're interviewing so that we can find out the fiber of that person, if it's something that they're passionate about. And then from there, it's a question of, you know, what's the best way for us to slot that person in and what role would they be best served in? And to take a line from the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, you're looking for the right who. Mm -hmm. And And it's our job to put him in the right seat on the bus. There There you go. There you go. It's a good book. (laughs) I read the book. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness. (laughs) And we could talk all day about that. Again, another podcast. But all right. So let's move it on here. So as you were talking, Mark, also, you know, for 20 plus years, I've worked with kids with special needs and who have various medical diagnoses and stuff. And I think this opportunity for them is phenomenal. But when some of your kids are at the camp and they have to have medical procedures and medical, how do you make that fun so that they feel like they're still, you know, this camp having fun, but they still have to have their chemo treatments or whatever treatment they may have to have. How do you keep that, I guess, not fun, but does that make sense? When they have to be taken out of the fun to go and do that that transition. Right. Let me tell you, you've tapped into something that is one of the many things that I love about our medical team, and maybe it's the number one. Ah. And that is that whether it's, you know, anything from prescription drugs, whatever a child needs, they always first try to deliver it out on camp somewhere in the cabin. They want the body shop, which is what we call our hospital, essentially. They want that to be the last resort. And we want to keep kids out of there. And they do a great job of making sure that the kids spend as little time in there as possible. However, great story over the summer. This just blew me away. All of our team have tablets. And we're not a thousand percent electronic medical records, but we're getting there. So if a child is given a Tylenol, let's say on a far side of camp in a program area, it's entered into the tablets and it's updated real time for everybody on the team so that they know. 
But the tablets really played an interesting part in a story from last summer. There was a child who had to stay overnight in the body shop. No way they could avoid it. And the child was so bummed about missing out on what's called cabin chat. End of every night, they get together, the kids talk about their experiences of the day, and it's just a part of the, the day they just love. And one of our team members, the light bulb went off, and they said, wait a minute. And they FaceTimed from the child in bed in the body shop to the cabin, and the child took part in cabin chat. Oh, I love it. Oh I my do, gosh. too. That's so sweet. That's the best thing ever. So we don't want them separated at all from the camp experience, and we only do so kicking and screaming. This team makes sure that these kids are delivered their meds, whatever they need, somewhere other than the body shop. And if they have to be in the body shop, it's in, it's out. Have fun. Do what you're here to do. You have the right who on your medical team, it sounds like. That's impressive because I bet to do that and to do it successfully takes a lot of work. That's impressive. So, Mark, I want to jump back to you said earlier about when the parents drop the child off and pick them back up in the same way that they left them. Do the parents ever stay with the children? I mean, how does that normally work with the drop-off procedure? We kick them out. Yeah, good time. You, you, <laughs> you would, would have to with me. <laughs> you would have to with me, too. And as you're talking about it, like I said, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. But personally, my daughter has visual deficits, and so I've always been afraid about a camp type of situation for fear, you know, that, gosh, what if she wanders off into the woods because she didn't see where the other kids were going and that she was lost forever. I mean, you know, when you're in the mind of a mother, you get real irrational very, very quickly sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, I'm not always irrational, but I can imagine like popping a tent out at the entryway and be like, hey, if you need me, I'm right here. You know, which is crazy. <laughs> it's funny. You have to remember my wife and I, you know, handed our child over to a camp with his chemo drugs and said, here you go. I get it. It's interesting because the only time the parents are part of the process is during the family weekends. Mm -hmm. When they get here and drop the child off, this is not the first time that they've interacted with us. Our team has been in direct contact with not only them, the family doctor, the child's doctor of record has to sign off on allowing that child to come here. So we know about their medical background. When that child comes here, even if it's a first time camper, this staff knows who that child is, what they're about and what their needs are. So you can tell without even knowing the first time parents and the parents of those kids who have come back for another year of camp. Here's the difference. The first years they get out and they're like you, as far as that pitch, the 10th thing, they're like, okay, here are the meds. Um, and now, now he needs to, to go to bed with this, with this particular thing. And it's at six o'clock and, and it's just rapid fire blah, 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 like that. And you're like, okay, great. Good deal. That's wonderful. And they're thinking, now, if you need me, here's my cell phone. You can call me even, you know, we're going to be close by. All right. See, I'm in the parking lot. I'll pitch my tent. <laughs> Right. That's the first year parent. Right. The second year parents, it's an entirely different ballgame because they come back and they're like, um, how long is checking going to take? Because we have a bed and breakfast we need to be at. It's three hours from here up in the mountains. And really, we got to get going. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious because they get to the point where then they can take that camp week mm. and they can go do something without feeling that tether. It's phenomenal. But you know what? We just make them feel comfortable. But, you know, after check in, it's just like mom and dad. We love you. Your kid loves you. Wave goodbye and kiss him on the cheek. But, you know, you can come pick him up when the week's over. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark, I want to ask a question. For these families and these children that become so bonded during that camp experience, I know some of them come back and work at the camp when they can. But do you ever do any kind of reunions or just a time for fellowship that these parents and kids can come back in and just see each other again? We are certainly doing 
a lot of that, and we're planning to do even more because we already have, for an example, before even we get to the kids, those summer counselors, et cetera, there are alumni events for them to keep that circle going. As far as the families are concerned, we make a lot of events available to them that are things like it can be a chance to come and just for an evening, you know, during the off time, just to come in and to, again, to just be together, maybe have a meal and do some things, but just to interact and things. And we try to continually make them understand that when you come here, when your child becomes a camper, you're part of the family. And so we do a lot and we're doing much, much more of that as well. And you talk about sipping the Kool-Aid. I have to tell you something. It's hard for us not to involve parents and children after they've had this experience because they look at us and they're just like going, we'll do anything for this place. If you want us to go to an event and talk about Victory Junction, we'll do it. They're such a huge resource for us. And so, yeah, to your point, though, we try to involve them as often as we can and always making sure they understand that this is a home away from home for them. Yeah. And I do love the video that I saw when I was there. It's actually on our Facebook as well. And I'm sure on your site of the two children that were in the original when you were just getting started and how they came back and revisited where they are now kind of things. It's just a beautiful story. Peter and Haley, they were the kids in the poster standing in front of just dirt as this was just the groundbreaking. And and here they were in their swimsuits looking out on this dirt, knowing what was coming. And, and here they come back as young adults and they both had issues to deal with, but they show that long-term impact that we're so proud of here. I'm glad you like that story. I love beautiful. that story. Well, and you know, Mark, too, my mom told me a long time ago, among other very wise things that sometimes I chose or did not choose to listen to, but one of the things she said to me a long time ago that I have carried with me every day is she said, you know, Hayden, you love anybody that loves your children and your staff has to really love these kids because whether they have special needs or they're medically fragile or medical stuff they're going through, your staff has and volunteers have to really, truly love them to want to give them every opportunity possible that we can. And so if you're a parent of a child like that, how can you not go and want to sing the praises of Victory Junction and the staff and all that? Because those people loved your kid, and that's pretty awesome. Well, I have to tell you, and I will try not to get emotional with this story, but this is one that just really got me. It was not this past summer. It was 2014 right after I came to Victory Junction. And one of our counselors, former camper, who's now a counselor, we were at the end of a week, and she just wasn't her normal bubbly self. And I said, what's going on? And she says, you know, she says, it's been driving me crazy. She said, there was a girl in my cabin. And she goes, I just don't feel I reached her. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes, she participated in everything. She goes, but I just, you know, didn't get the feedback. I just didn't feel like I, you know, reached her. And she was really distraught about it. So we had some, you know, it bolstered her up a little bit. We had a nice chat. And then a couple of days later, I run into her, and here's this big grin in her face. And she's running up to me, calling my name. And she goes, you're not going to believe it. She goes, I got an email from that girl that was in my cabin last week. And she said, the girl said to her, I had the best week of my life. And now finally, I can say that I have friends. Oh, oh my gosh. Good heavens. Me up. <laughs> wow. Okay. And you hear that. And then to dovetail that to what you're talking about with parents, uh-huh. you're on the other end of that. And your child who you adore and is your world. And especially when they have a challenge and there's such a focal point for them to come home and say, well, you know, how did it go? wow, I've got these three new friends. I've got friends. And when you know that they've had no social circle because of their illness. Hmm. Yeah, that one. Now you've wrecked me for the rest of the day. (laughs) Thanks so much for bringing that one up. Yeah, us too. I mean, that'll do you in. Man, oh man, just because I didn't even think about that, Mark, but you're right. That's phenomenal. In a child's life, that's phenomenal. 
So, Mark, for these parents that are listening and caregivers that are listening, how does a parent or caregiver go about getting more information and the application process to getting their child to your camp? Well, the best thing that I can do for everybody is just to say, go to victoryjunction.org. When you go to our website, it's very interactive. There are tabs at the top of the page that will guide you around scheduling, whether it's the summer sessions, the sessions we have in the spring and fall, what they're all about. It'll tell you everything you know about how the camp is set up, but it leads you right to the application process. We open up the applications for summertime. We did that back in December 1st, and they are still open now for kids that want to come this coming summer. But also, we still have all of these Again, family weekends are so much available there, but all the information is at your fingertips. And I just highly recommend people go to victoryjunction.org. And if you want to see more about the camp, also when you go on there, you'll also find that there are some really great ways to get, you know, our videos are on there that show you the camp in action. It will just absolutely, absolutely blow you away. There's just no doubt about it. But to see what you want to see on there, it's the media tab. But when you go to camp, the camp tab at the top of the page, and there's even a huge tab in the middle of the front page that says, be a camper. Click mm-hmm. that. It takes you every bit of information you could possibly need. Right. Yeah. And so the families can go and apply for their child to be there. They don't have to be necessarily referred from a physician, or do they? They don't. You can self-identify. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Just that know nice. that the only thing that you will do is you will be involving your medical right. doctors, et cetera, just because we want to make sure that we design a care plan that fits mm-hmm. and that the child can handle it. We had a child. I don't make these stories up. It's just they just are all around <laughs> us. There was a child this past summer who we heard about late in the process and was going through some pretty serious stuff as a child out of Virginia. Oh. And we got the child in for a week during our cancer week. And that child literally got out of the hospital having been in about four weeks, got out of the hospital the day before coming to camp, insistent. The doctor was a little bit reticent to let him go, but said, you know what? This child is so determined. This is a 10-year-old boy. Wow. Said so determined they let him come and then had a phenomenal week and then ended up spending two and a half months in the hospital after he got back, Oh wow! but was so motivated to come here that that happened. I mean, every child has a story like this. It's just phenomenal. Wow. That and- is... Mm. What does the future hold for Victory Junction, Mark? What do you see in the future for where you guys are moving? Yeah. That's a wonderful question because it's something that's top of mind. We opened in 04, and this is now coming up on summer 2016. We're looking to expand our family weekends. Actually, I'm in the process of working out a few agreements right now to add a number of additional family weekends. So for us, it's about expanding what we do here at camp and making camp as year-round as it can be. And then the other part of it is, too, is that probably our biggest growth this past year was in our REACH program. Mm. That's our program that is specific to North and South Carolina. But we have a team that goes out to pediatric hospitals and Ronald McDonald houses, bringing Victory Junction and our fun camp style type of games and things of that sort to the bedside of children in hospitals and to the playrooms in the hospitals, as well as Ronald McDonald houses. And we just literally got the final numbers. Mm. And through that program alone in 2015, we reached over 4,100 children, you know, where they are kind of a thing. And that's a big part of what we're doing. And I would tell you, my dream is, is that reach hopefully soon will start to go beyond North and South Carolina and just will conquer this overall region and then just keep going. Because for those that can't come here, that's one thing. But the other part of it is too, that way we can deliver this mission, this message, what we do 365. And that to me is where we're really thinking about. You're not afraid to take this dog and pony show on the road. Not at all. Um, If anybody listening to this podcast doesn't think that we got a great story to tell, 
then they haven't been listening. No, they haven't because you do. <laughs> and you're changing the lives of these kids and these families. And we haven't talked about it in this podcast, but and the siblings. It's the whole family. You're really treating and working with the whole child, which is something we talk about here at PDT all the time. You can't just treat the child in isolation of everybody else. It's the whole child, which involves the family and the brothers and sisters. And like you said, all the medical team and everybody else involved with this kid. That's what it takes to really give this child the experience that you all give them. And to do that takes a lot of work, but it's so rewarding. Absolutely. There's not much more I can really you know, say other than yeah. that. That's where the rubber meets the road. The care and how it ripples out and impacts everybody involved. I remember my daughter, you know, she's younger than my son is, and, you know, he was a little boy. He was five when he was diagnosed. And so she was around the hospital a lot. And at one point she said, when am I going to get leukemia? Oh. And, you know, that's what she saw. And so, you know, like going, okay, you know, we thought she was just happy go lucky little sister, wow. but she was obviously absorbing stuff. So everybody's impacted, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. The camp is just beautiful in the whole mm-hmm. setting and it is an amusement park. There's a huge race car there. It's awesome. And I love the themes of everything, but The fuel stop, I mean, when I came, the food was phenomenal. So is that like that during camp time, too? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Our food is what we're known for. You know, it's not just, you know, burgers and hot dogs. It is incredible. (laughs) We have Chef Matt. Chef Matt is the one that... Handles that. Not only is the food fantastic, but remember, he also has to be incredibly adept at specialized dietary restrictions for certain kids. And they have a beautiful system there where they make sure that if a child needs, you know, specific foods, how they get those and how that's monitored. But the food here is unbelievable. It's not camp food. That's for dog, I'm sure. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with camp food. I'm no. like, I don't want to insult <laughs> no. anybody because I love a burger and a hot dog like, like the next guy. But. No, but I can imagine the many dietary constraints that are, or, you know, hey, opportunities. If you're a chef, the many dietary opportunities that he there has because go. he's got to be creative. So there you have it. So exactly. there you go. So that's awesome. I think, again, listen to this podcast. If you haven't been to the website, Go to the website, victoryjunction.org. Also, you can look on our website at www.pediatricdt.com, and we'll have information up there. Also on our Facebook page as well. And then in the show notes, all these references and resources will be there for you as well. And also at the clinics, all three of our clinics have brochures that parents can pick up as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. So see, there you go. Brochures. We even go old school people. Yeah. So (laughs) like paper, you know, (laughs) anyway. All right. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad we're able to talk to you today about this amazing opportunity you have for families and kids and volunteers and everybody else. So thank you, Mark, for your time today. It's fantastic. Thanks, Hayden. Really, really enjoyed it. And we look forward to seeing you all out here at Victory Junction. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.